Hello and welcome to Plot Trist. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're discussing Tempting 2 by Victoria Vale. This was published in 2016 and is number three in the Scandalous Ballroom Encounters series. I literally just said this to Meg before we hit record. We have not reviewed the previous books for the podcast. And I want it to be known that for the first time in my life, I literally could not tell this was part of a series. Like, usually I'm like, this character seems like they have a backstory. Nothing. Nada. There is. You can start here. Yes. I mean, I think the main reason for that is that um, these characters are here to have sex. (laughs) They don't need, like, a backstory, you know? (laughs) And, okay, I know we sometimes talk about books being sex books. Mm -hmm. Like, This is, but I think when we say sex book, we mean a traditional romance novel with a lot of character development and tropes and, like, plot Mm -hmm. with explicit sex scenes that happen frequently. Yes. This book is explicit sex scenes with a side of plot. Yes. This book is erotic romance. Um, It's more in the vein of the Katie Roberts series we've been reading, although I would say even higher on the sex scale i would say or lower on the like the ratio of sex to plot is much higher here there's very little plot i was like at least and i'm I'm being very conservative in this estimate at least half of this book is sex that's whereas the katie robert are not that there's there's the development of the pantheon. There's like right, there's murder and intrigue and political drama. Like I'm not saying this is a good thing or a bad thing. I just want to like set expectations before we go in here that I have a couple of like, ooh, I would have liked if the plot did this, but ultimately like I can recognize that is not the point of this book. No, no. Um, all right, let's read the book jacket. Yeah? Yeah. Penelope Hunt is well on her way to becoming a spinster. When Colin Worthing courted her secretly for an entire season before making off with her virginity, he ensured that she could never make a good match or put the pieces of her broken heart back together again. His duplicity has her convinced that men are not to be trusted and that she would be foolish to bind herself in marriage to one for the rest of her life. Deciding that life as a spinster has its benefits, she vows to avoid matrimony and enjoy her life in any way that she can. The inheritance to be had on her 25th birthday will see her endowed to do just that. When the commissioned officer returns home years later, much older and wiser than the young rake who ruined her, he wants nothing more than to put his past behind him and make amends for his treatment of Penelope by marrying her. Setting out to woo her and convince her he's changed, he never expects competition in the form of his best friend, Edmund Ingham. With both men out to steal her heart, a jaded Penelope begins a game of intrigues and passion, one the members of the town would be shocked to know she indulged in. But what does it matter when men have been breaking hearts since the dawn of time? Perhaps the two men deserve to have their hearts played with. And perhaps in two very different men, she will find that the love she thought couldn't exist for two might just be possible with three. Things I love about this jacket. Edmund has no biography. <laughs> no. The only information about him is Colin's best friend, who's a part of this threesome. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I do love that. I it's, do love that. It's perfect. Oh my god. Okay, I'm just gonna point out the elephant in the room. Her name is Penelope, and one of her men is named Colin. Yes, it is true. Yes. The elephant has now been pointed out. There is nothing else, zero else that me that makes this book think of romancing Mr. Bridgerton, like in no other way. I, for the record, I didn't even recognize that. Tells you how many spiked lemonades I might have had while reading this one. But two, I just want to see that um, Megan and I are extremely nervous about the Bridgerton season three details that have been leaked. And if instead of doing what they're proposing, they want to just do a sex show, I'm fine with that. Uh, you know what? I'm actually fine. Like, I would be okay if we just saw Penelope and Colin, like, have sex for I six episodes. Right. Like, if instead of whatever rewrite they're doing of the Bridgerton plot book that we love... Maybe they just want to steal some scenes from this. You, you know, we could send them. We could be like, hey, Penelope and Colin, the deleted scenes. Right. Like, make sure these make it in. Like the very first one in the garden. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, that's a very good one, actually. I think it works. <laughs> All right. Okay. Before we get into the book, too, I, I just want to say that this is a book that I bought like four years ago I'm not even sure why I bought it might have been on sale or something and I read it and I was like what is this genius sex book like this yes. book to me is just like the quintessential example of an erotic romance and I have been trying to get Lane to read it for years so finally we just agreed to put it on the schedule for the show for the record so, I was not opposed I was no. just busy <laughs> Right, right, right. Exactly. And it, this is not one of our conventional, like, historical romances. This is an erotic romance verging on erotica. Yep. Although there is a happily ever after, so it is an erotic romance in that sense. Um, so I just want to be very clear that I am quite biased towards this book. Again, I don't even know how I found it. I do think that this book is what cemented Victoria Vale as one of my go-to historical one-handed reads authors. Can see why. Yes. I mean, we'll, we will talk about it quite a bit, I think, because it is minimum half of the book. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. So before we delve any further into our discussions of the book and its merits, um, as usual, we generated a random number between 1 and 50 and then wrote our own summaries of the book using that number as a word count. This week, that number is 12. I will start. Reasons one can be a confirmed bachelor. Gay, erectile dysfunction, husband in a triad. Duh. Duh. I think those are the reasons. That's, sure. I think that's the whole list. That's the entire list. You're right. Pretty sure that's it. <laughs> And by ED specifically, I mean, like, Guy had his dick injured in Waterloo and, like, right. feels that if he's not sure he can sire an heir, he can't rightfully marry a woman until he fixes his dick. It's such a, such a historical romance thing. <laughs> it's, like, legitimate. Like, that's what I mean specifically by the three reasons confirmed bachelors can exist in romance novels. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right, uh, here's my 12-word summary. The more members of a relationship, the more romance tropes to enjoy. And there are many. There are so many tropes. And I think this is part of the reason why I love this book so much. 
she this knows is, her oeuvre and she knows how to work in it. And I also think part of it, look, stereotype of women is we want a little like relationship building to go along with our sex. And I think being able to use such established tropes means you get a lot of, not necessarily plot, but like situational awareness, understanding, dynamic introduction with fewer words. Yep. So she yep. uses the tropes so effectively that she's able to get to the sex more quickly. It's but so with true. foundation. Yeah, I I agree. I I do agree. I this is something that we talked about before we started recording, uh, and I'm sure we'll probably talk about again. But one of the things to note about this book is she's not going for like authenticity and polyamory, right? No. These aren't people who have long discussions about what polyamory means and what polyamorous relationship would be. This book is a fantasy. And it's not even truly a triad. It's right. a woman with two dudes who are not interested in each other at all. They're just willing to be naked at the same time while touching her independently. Yes. Okay. Tropes. She's ruined. As the book jacket says, she's ruined. And that determines that she will not marry either because I mean they don't go in there's no psychological depth okay so we don't know whether it's because she thinks the her husband will find out or if she thinks it's being dishonest or if she just has decided like you know what fuck men but only literally right. only literally right dudes are trash they're only good for one thing and, and building off that, she is doted upon by a stepfather who treats her like his own and is incredibly indulgent to this whim of hers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a second chance romance. Right. So the guy who ruins her comes back from the war having grown as a person. And Trope, his reason for leaving is that the second he realized he was really in love with her, he realized she was far too good for him. So he left her so she'd have a chance at happiness because he was obviously going to ruin her life. Mm-hmm. Which he did by running away, because idiot. And so now he's back because he never stopped loving her, and he has trope been celibate since the day he left her bed. Yes. Which One second I read trope. that, I was like, done and dusted. I'm gonna like this. Right. <laughs> also, he's back, and he's all scarred up because he's a war hero. He's now a courageous war hero who fought fought in Waterloo and. He received like a commendation on the field from Wellington. And, and he got a bayonet to the hip. Uh-huh. So he's got scars. So many tropes. I love them. And all. now he's being recruited to be a spy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Colin. What about Edmund? Well, the book jacket <laughs> leads you to believe you don't need to know anything, which is correct, but she does jam a lot of fun tropes into him. Mm-hmm. So Edmund is an ethical fortune hunter. He's got to marry because his father has run the estate into the ground because he's addicted to gambling. Yep. And so he needs to marry an heiress, but he doesn't want to make her unhappy. And he just wants to be as ethical as possible as a fortune hunter. And uh, so he agrees to help Colin plead his case to Penelope. Mm-hmm. And what Colin tells Edmund is, and Penelope is really experienced in the season. She'll know which women are like not actually wealthy, 
like which ones have strings attached to their diaries, but also which ones are like good conversationalists and companions so your life won't be a living hell. Yeah. So Edmund decides that's his excuse to start spending time with Penelope is for her to help him find a wife. Yes. Oh my God. Is there's like a whole, this, the, the major plot of this book is that Penelope basically rejects Colin. She's like, you're an asshole. Get away from me. But and also keep having, touching my body. Yes. I mean, we'll get into that mm-hmm. because it's one of my favorite parts of the book. Yeah. Um, but the, the major plot is um, Colin doesn't want to let her go. He's still in love with her. So he needs to be around her, but he's going to court other women to make her jealous, trope. And to make her feel like she's not being cornered. Yes. Yes. That he's respecting her wishes, which. Yeah. He's not. He's not. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So Edmund is like, okay, I will be her escort. I will escort her to all the places that you are so that she will be around you but you won't be forcing her to be around you, right? Yeah. Oh, my God, it's so ridiculous. It's it's such a romance plot, too, though, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be an erotic romance. This could be any historical romance. Yep. Um, Waltz in a Garden Fondle. And I love this one because it, like, lays the scene for the entire book because she waltzes with Edmund, and then he gets her to go out in the garden with Colin. But I'm still counting it as a trope. Oh, absolutely. Let's see. Oh, there's a carriage hookup. It's like perhaps the hottest carriage hookup I've ever read. It's extremely explicit. Okay, here's one of my, fun, my like charmingly funny things about this book. One of the things Penelope says to Colin when he's, you know, pleading his case for her to give him another chance is basically... I'm not the girl you were. I was. And she thinks in her head, I, I've learned I like being in control. Yeah. And then the scene Meg really likes happens. But she like, so her whole character in the beginning is like, after being wronged by Colin, she likes being bossy in bed. She is bossy in one scene and then she's totally dominated in the rest of them. And it is hilarious to me that like so much of her characterization was going to be like, this is a dominant bossy. Well, not at all. No, <laughs> but I still love it though. That was not a criticism. It was just yes. a statement. <laughs> And let's see, anything else? Oh, nickname. Yeah, so she's Penelope. She goes by Penny. Um, but there's this, the first scene she has with Colin. He says Penny, and she says, I don't go by Penny anymore. I only go by Penelope, but we're not even friends, so you have to call me Miss Hunt. Or whatever. Lady Penelope, yes. Lady Penelope, or whatever. Uh, Edmund, on the other hand, uh, immediately she's like, call me Penny. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like the one issue I have with this book <laughs> is that she, okay, this isn't even a real issue, but he's like, his name is Edmund, which is, you know, like a hot historical romance name. But he's no. like, call me Ed. And I'm like, oh, Ed. That's no. worse. That's yeah, worse. Ed is definitely worse. Sorry Edmund is, to all these Eds who are listening. Look, I'm sure there's a hot Ed out there, but I don't want to read about it in my Regency. That's all. Yeah, fair. Okay. <laughs> This book does not pretend to be anything other than a sex book, than an erotic romance. <laughs> We're like, going to get into it. <laughs> um, I really enjoy Penelope, basically. Most of the book is told from her perspective. There are a few scenes from Edmund and Colin's perspectives, but it's primarily told through 
through Penelope's eyes. And I love in the beginning, Colin is like, okay, I just need to get her alone out in the, in the garden and I'll, I'll propose to her again and she'll say yes and we'll be fine. So they go out in the garden and he proposes and she's like, no. And he's like, yeah, but I can tell you're attracted to me. And she's like, I mean, I am. She's like, so just go down on me. And he's like, okay. So he does. Like, this is within the first three chapters of the book. So, yeah, so they go out in the garden. And he's, she's just like, okay, yeah, you can go down on me, right? Also, this dude is like a war hero who's like got a scarred up leg and shit. And she makes him kneel. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he, like, is suffering for days. <laughs> so, anyway, he makes her come, and then he's like, okay, and he starts to unbutton his pants, and she's like, um, no. Never come cool. near me again, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I just great. love how this book, like, Victoria Vale is like, this is how I'm starting this book. Like, this is how this book is going to be, and I fucking loved it. I love it. It's so good. So good. Um, so then Edmund and Colin hatch this stupid plan. So disclaimer, we're just going to spoil everything from this point forward. So do with that what you will. I mean, the joy of this book is not the plot. No, I I don't think that if you listen to us, look, if you want to read the book without spoilers, go ahead and do it. I'm not going to tell you not to do that. However, I don't think that knowing what's going to happen in the book replaces why you read it. Correct. So, so Edmund and Colin hatched the stupid plot about how Edmund, about how, yeah, Edmund's going to escort her everywhere and Colin is going to court other women and Penelope is going to help Edmund find like a nice heiress. Yes. So they go, you know, on a picnic to Richmond or something. And then Colin and Edmund are out in the fucking woods and they just decide to discuss their plan. Yes. And Penelope overhears them. Yeah, but the plan is also basically what they told her. I mean, it is, but it's not. It's like she doesn't really, she doesn't know for sure that Colin is is trying to make her jealous on purpose. Sure. But why that reflects badly on Edmund? Because he has been, she thinks that he's been pretending to like be her friend. But he, like, he, he's been very honest with her. I would like you to help me find a wife. Also, I absolutely want you to give Colin another chance. He is a good person. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Okay. She overhears <laughs> this, right? And she's like, you know what? I'm going to give these guys a taste of their own medicine. And I'm going to fuck them both. <laughs> and then I'm going to be like, you thought that you were going to pull the wool over my eyes. Well... I pulled the wool over your eyes, basically. And again, there's not much plot here. So is the purpose damaging their relationship? Is the purpose just using them for sexual satisfaction the way when you use women all the time? You have no idea. Not the point. Not the point. Um, yeah. So I, I just love that, like, that was the result. She, like, hears them, overhears them talking, and then she's like, you know what? I'm just going to have sex with both of them. Ha, ha, ha. And then they'll, that'll show them. Yep. 
And then she does. Like, the rest of the book is basically just she has sex with them. Yep. Quite a few times. Yep. And Edmund feels, like, torn. Because he's like, oh, I feel like I'm betraying, I'm betraying the bro code. I mean... Yeah, I feel he's definitely betraying the bro code. <laughs> I promise to help you seduce her. I'm going to fuck her in the carriage at the first opportunity and then lie to you about it for days. That's definitely a betrayal of the bro code. I may not be a bro. I might not have ever been privy to a bro code, but even I know that. Yeah. But I mean, he breaks the bro code so much that he even falls in love with her. Does he? He wants to marry her. She's an heiress. He falls in love with her. And yeah. he breaks the bro code so much that he's like, I'm going to ask her to marry me instead of Colin. And not tell Colin that. No. Because Penelope is more important than Colin. Like, but even if that were the case, completely. he's going to find out. <laughs> like, I mean, yes. Well, he's like, okay, my he's, he's basically accepting my relationship with Colin is over. Because I love Penelope so much, or I want Penelope so much, right? Yep. So, like, let's be honest. Like, number one, the bro code kind of sucks. And number two, if you're going to break the bro code as a woman, I'm like, yeah, that's why you should break the bro code. I mean, I still feel like the bro code is basically your friends deserve to be treated with respect at a very fundamental level. So, no, I don't object to the bro code. (laughs) mm, I'm not sure. The bro code is... Uh, my friends deserve more respect than the women that uh, that we're dating. And that bothers me. Okay. I, I think it can be interpreted multiple different ways. I yeah. Okay. Fair enough. That, that's the aspect of the bro code that I'm not into. Yep. Um, okay. So moving on, there's really not much more in this book. Penelope's like, I'm going to break it off with both of you because I can't be the reason that your friendship is in peril. <laughs> <laughs> and then Edmund and Colin come up with this amazing revolutionary idea that they should just all get married. <laughs> so they should both marry her. It is not yes, a collective marriage. Yeah, Colin and Edmund are not attracted to each other. They don't want to marry each other, but they're willing to be in a relationship with her as the primary. Yes. The end. Yep. Um, just a couple of things if you are trying to get a sense of just how romance novel versus erotica this is. Like, if you were reading this to actually read relationship development, there's no discernible difference between the men on the page. Like, yes, they have different circumstances, but their internal monologues, their motivations, their aesthetics, like, they're just clones of each other to provide oh. two dicks for her sexual pleasure. Look, one, one is, is buff and has a scar. The other is tall and lean and is an aristocrat. They're both aristocrats. He's like the third son. Yeah. The, they're like, like the heir. In terms of characterization and function, they are the same. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> I'm just letting you guys know which one is which. Um, also, just in terms of plot consistency, given the limited amount of characterization we have about Penelope, I don't believe that she would put their friendship first for one fucking second. <laughs> the idea that she's not making a decision just to not break up their friendship is laughable to me. Yeah, um, but I mean, no, again, she's also just like, you know. Don't care. I want to say right. this. Don't care. Just trying to explain how not actually plot-centric this is. But, I mean, yes, that's true. 
She's not um, like she she agonizes for like one night about it. Yeah, it, it, and this character who is like, you know what? Fuck it, society's rules are stupid. I don't have to follow them. I just want to get dicked all the time, starting from the time she's like nineteen years old. Is not someone who goes. Yeah, so you're both the only people I've seriously considered marrying, and I'm just not gonna because I don't want to hurt your feelings. Yeah, I'm not gonna marry either of you. That yeah, said, that I do really like that Victoria Vale made her independently wealthy. Yes. Right? So no, I'm yeah. not mad. I'm not like saying I wish that had happened. I'm just saying like there is no depth or internal reflection or like justification. Everything that happens is just to provide enough context for the next sex scene. Yes. Yes. Okay. I know you're really not into like the whole pregnancy shit. This the only when the only time this one crossed a line for me is when it like for because they they don't get into the logistics of fucking anything in this book, no. and then there's a discussion about who gets to put a baby in her first, and I was like, I'm, you don't want to deal with logistics and anything else, but you gotta ruin the fantasy for me by making this about like alternating semen struggles. I'm good. Yeah, I mean, I see your point, but I thought that was so funny in a historical romance way like oh we're now we're gonna care about primogeniture <laughs> i thought it was so i just thought it was hilarious i thought it was so funny so it didn't like bug me you know well it, like that it was just like everything else is a fantasy that is not a fantasy too they're like okay i'm having his baby first and then i'm having his baby but the first one has to be the heir so if it's a girl i'm like no I want right. any of this. It's like too much. <laughs> and this is like so that. fantasy ruining. Oh, see, it didn't ruin the fantasy for me. I just, it, it was funny. It like added, not to the fantasy part, but to the historical romance part for me. So it didn't bother me. Okay. Um, content warnings. Besides the like gazillion sex scenes, which just be aware, like you're picking <laughs> up an erotic romance, guys. Like, don't be an idiot. Yeah. The I'm the I'm thinking the only thing that could really be a content warning would be like maybe a cheating. Although it's hard for so for me, I'm a person who does not like cheating in my romance, right? Right. That said, here it's number one, it's a fantasy. And number two, she's not in like a committed relationship with either one of them. Yeah. Right? Right. So if you're like super sensitive to that, be aware. Yeah. I'd also say. I know some people are very sensitive to like the ruined virgin trope and this does lean real hard into that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost like a, it's almost like this is going way too far and this is never stated and this is just reading into it, but it is slightly like a reclamation of that. Like, you know what? Fuck you, I'm ruined. I do what I want. Like, she almost sees it as an opportunity. So let's talk about the major strength of this book. Just the sexiness. <laughs> yeah. It was immediate. Mm-hmm. It was explicit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very fun. Yeah, I... I just think she does a really good job of writing sex scenes too, like mm. making them sexy. Yes. 
I've, I have read other erotic romances and like, honestly, I think Victoria Vale's sex scenes are like the sexiest. Interesting. Yeah. I can only think of one that I find sexier, but it's not a historical. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking mostly historicals. Yeah. Uh, I also think she, so again, like every other chapter is a sex scene, right? At, at right. least, maybe even every chapter, there's probably something sexual in it. Uh, and I think she paces them pretty well, actually. So like they're varied enough that you're, you don't feel like you're reading the same thing over and over again. Um, and they do progress from like Colin in the garden, like just going down on her to like a little bit of bondage to, you know, yeah, like it, it, to them together, to there is like double penetration in the uh, epilogue. No, there's double penetration before the epilogue. <laughs> yes, there. Yes, there is. But that there's, would be like there the, are many sex scenes. <laughs> there are lots of sex scenes, just lots. I really think this carriage sex scene is like so hot. <laughs> that like was crazy the hottest. Hot. That was the hottest one. Yes, for sure. It's like crazy hot. And that is just between her and Edmund, for the record. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, oh, I'm just doing this for Colin. No, no. And then he's like, oh, well, too bad. Whoops, my dick fell in her. Literally, because they're in a carriage. <laughs> okay, I also want to say uh, there's a scene, part of the scene that makes me laugh every time. It's like, they're like, oh no, she, so basically she's trying to break up with both of them. Right. Because she can't choose. And then Edmund's like, well, we won't make you choose. Like, we will both have sex with you. And it's from Colin's perspective. And he thinks, this isn't really a fantasy that I've been into. But if I was going to share a woman, it would be with Ed. <laughs> and I was like, oh, sure, you haven't thought about it, Colin. <laughs> Only long enough to decide it would be him. Yes. <laughs> it's, I, I just, it's like this moment that cracks me up every time. <laughs> like, this is just very much a, like, woman being worshipped by two dudes fantasy. Yes. Like, exactly I, because I feel like if this was, like, legitimately trying to be, and it's not, like, this, again, not a criticism, like, a triad or a polyamorous thing, you'd have Ed and Colin thinking about what this means about their relationship and how they feel about each other. And it's not. The scenes between them talking about what might happen are just, do you want to fuck her so bad I can be in the room? Or maybe in another one of her holes? Yeah, me too. Right? We just love her so much that we're willing to sacrifice to make her happy they literally say i'd rather have half of her than none of her like that is the like full so it's it's a pure like female power fantasy oh absolutely like i i've said before that this is like one of my one of the ones that i think is just like total fantasy and it, yes. it really is just because it's all it's really all about her Mm -hmm. like all their feelings are about her they just love her so much she's so sexy like she wants this so i'll go along with it fine yeah it's it's not an actual polyamorous relationship in any way it's it's just a sex fantasy yeah 
with the amount of depth necessary so that you're interested in reading about these people fucking and that's it yeah and which uh, this is so like, therefore and that is what it was intended to be so right. if i had to describe this book it is perfectly executed <laughs> it, it 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 really is it really is will this be your bag i don't know but i don't know it sounds like it will be it's a very excellent version of it yes exactly exactly just you know be aware if you've been looking for like something that's very sexy um a little bit on the edge but it's not like crazy no not, like, crazy, i wouldn't even like, snm or anything no it's literally just not quite vanilla yep exactly you might want to check it out um uh, it's the best historical example of this that I've read. So, I mean, honestly, it's making me feel like I've got to expand my reading. <laughs> I'll give you some recs. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>